0: This is Tailgate Till May, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you love college sports and you like to have a little action on the games, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. So today is going to be a little bit of a different episode because... First off, it's 6 p.m. on a Friday. I'm recording this. That's not usually when I record this, but there's a good reason for that, and it's because I've been waiting all day long for whatever the news was going to be from the Big Ten on what they were going to do when it came to Michigan what the punishment from Tony Petiti in the Big Ten office was going to be when it comes to Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, and this whole sign-stealing scandal. And talk about a Friday news dump, because the news comes down late on Friday afternoon that the Big Ten, under their, its sportsmanship policy, will be suspending Jim Harbaugh for the last three games of, of Michigan's regular season. And what that specifically means is Jim Harbaugh will be banned from the sidelines during those three games. He will be allowed to coach during the week. He will be allowed to be around the team during the week. But on game day, He is not allowed to be on the sideline tomorrow at Penn State, next week at Maryland, and to end the season when they host Ohio State in the game at the big house. And this is huge news. I got a couple thoughts about this, a couple non-gambling related and one gambling related here. But this is huge news because you are taking away the head coach, of a national championship contender on November 10th. And the way I read it, he he would be able to coach in the Big Ten championship game if they make that. He would be able to coach in the college football playoff if they make that. But this whole thing has turned in to a huge mess at this point. And I don't really want to get into all the details, quite honestly, of, of this whole scandal what I think the punishment should be, what I feel like the punishment should be, if it's a big deal, if it's not a big deal, because I don't really think that's the most interesting aspect of this right now. Uh, To me, my first thought here is, it's just wild to me that there's an ongoing NCAA investigation, and the conference, the Big Ten, decides to step in and dole out this punishment. I mean, this is a sport where... Everything over the last decade has been geared towards making the national championship the thing, making the college ball playoff the thing. It's become a more nationalized sport. It's become more NFL-like. We've had conference consolidation. It's going away from its regional roots, its roots where these individual conferences are so important and they're so regional and winning your conference is really what's most important and beating your rivals where we're now going to this whole mindset where the national championship the college ball playoff that is the most important thing and we're going to this more nationalized sport in these large conferences uh, which I think is ultimately leading to a super conference at some point and that's why we're gonna now have Oregon and Washington playing games in Nebraska and we're going to have uh we're going to have oklahoma and texas no longer playing oklahoma state and texas tech that's the direction this whole thing is headed but we still are at the point where one conference commissioner can make a decision that's going to impact the entire national championship picture potentially the entire college ball playoff picture here. It's wild to me that if Michigan was in the SEC, that Greg Sankey might have decided something completely different. That they're going to maybe Greg Sankey would have said, "We're going to let this NCAA investigation play out and then whatever the NCAA decides" is what it is. I mean, this is a pretty unprecedented, extraordinary step for the conference to step in in the middle of something like this and make this kind of decision in the middle of the season. It's just a wild phenomenon to me that as this sport gets more nationalized, as it gets more focused on the college ball playoff for the national championship, that one individual conference, one conference commissioner, is able to do this and really change the whole national championship picture. And then I think this is a very interesting first move for Tony Petiti to make as the Big Ten commissioner. He is still relatively new in that role. And yes, he was the commissioner when the Big Ten added Oregon and Washington. But I really feel like that was something that kind of more fell into his lap as the Pac-12 disintegrated. I mean, to get Oregon and Washington at a steep discount seems like kind of a no-brainer, especially when they were already adding USC and UCLA. But this is a very interesting move for Tony Petiti to make right away. I was just reading a statement from Michigan, and I'll see if I can find it here and, and read uh, a few excerpts from it, but Michigan has some pretty harsh words about Tony Petiti. The statement, and Adam Rittenberg of ESPN posted this, is says, quote, today's action by Commissioner Tony Petiti disregards the conference's own handbook, violates basic tenets of due process, and sets an untenable precedent of assessing penalties before an investigation has been completed. We are dismayed at the commissioner's rush to judgment when there is an ongoing NCAA investigation, one in which we are fully cooperating, end quote. Tony Petiti has come in here and basically angered The administration and the fan base of, if not its biggest brand, its second biggest brand, and one that is competing for a a national championship this season. It's a very interesting move. And it, it seems like part of it, just reading between the lines a little bit with what's come out in the media over the past few weeks, is all the anger from other, the other big 10 schools. This seems like it it was really a, a big point of contention for the other big 10 schools. And I think this was a very interesting move for Tony Petiti to make early in, in his tenure. I, I, I don't know what the other commissioners would have done, but I, I can't remember a, a circumstance I can't remember a time, right off the top of my head here, where there was an ongoing investigation by the NCAA of any kind, whether it was into you know illegal recruiting activities, uh, which is what most NCAA investigations that we care that we really cover and care about and spend time talking and obsessing about, seem to be about. I can't remember a time where a conference stepped in and said, no, we are not going to wait for this investigation to be completed. We think it's that big a deal that we need to step in and do something here. And that's essentially what Tony Petiti did uh, as a relatively new commissioner of the Big Ten. Now, this is a gambling show. So I want to get to my gambling takeaway here. And I have, since the summer, really since the end of last football season, thought that Michigan is the best team in the country. That Michigan deserved to be the favorite to win the national championship this season. That Michigan had the best roster, and it was just a matter of if they could put it all together this season. And I have, as the season has gone on, I have continued to think that. If you have been listening to this show for a long time, you know that I am invested in Michigan to win the national championship, that I am invested in J.J. McCarthy to win the Heisman Trophy. And I'm looking early here today. Michigan now on FanDuel Georgia is the favorite to win the national title at plus two forty. Michigan plus two eighty. I believe the last time I looked, which was earlier this week, they were both. I, I believe Michigan was at plus two thirty. They might have both been at plus two thirty. They've been kind of neck and neck over the last few weeks as far as the national as who's as far as who's favored to win the national championship. I do not believe this changes things a bit for Michigan. I still think Michigan is the best team in the country. I still think Michigan is equipped to win the national championship. Michigan, ironically enough, I think is one of the uh, the teams in the country most well-equipped to deal with something like this, not having their head coach on the sidelines because they already dealt with it to start the year when Jim Harbaugh uh, was suspended for, for a handful of games to start the season. So Michigan has already dealt with this. They already have a plan in place. I also feel like, to me, the impact of a head coach is far less about what they do on game day than it is about their leadership, their organization, the—it sounds cliche, but the culture they implement, certainly the way they recruit— it's all the foundational things that I really think makes a head coach. And I think it has a lot less to do with when they decide to call timeout or how they manage a game. That's the easy stuff that we see as fans because that's the stuff that we get to see. But I think everything else that goes into it is that is much more important than what the head coach is actually doing on game days. I think a very good head coach will have empowered their coordinators and their assistants enough that you know what they do on game day isn't that important, that they can trust those guys to handle things on game day. So I think especially with Harbaugh still being being able to be around the team, to game plan, to be at practice. I don't think they're going to feel the effects of this tremendously because Harbaugh has built this program. His fingerprints are all over this program. And then the last point here when it comes to Michigan and what I think they can do the rest of the season is I thought when this all started, this was going to galvanize Michigan. I think even more so now. You look at Kirby Smart last year, was able to somehow convince Georgia that people had picked against them and they were some, there was a quote about seven and five that kept popping up. He convinced that Georgia team that they were underdogs. This is juice for Michigan. Michigan now believes it's everybody versus Michigan, that they're the underdogs, that everybody's against them. And I think that does matter when once you get to a certain talent level it's having that little bit of extra focus that little bit of extra motivation that can put you over the top and now you can easily make an argument that not having Jim Harbaugh around or that this can serve as a distraction rather than motivation that this could be a distracting thing for them but I think I trust in Jim Harbaugh that he has and will continue to keep them focused on the task at hand so all in all I actually view this as an opportunity to continue to bet on Michigan. I haven't seen a national title number yet that I love, that I'm willing to jump on again, especially already having that national championship future at 10 to one. And and strangely enough, believe it or not, I really haven't, we really haven't seen much movement on this line. It was four and a half, four, all day today, all day yesterday, and I still see it at four and a half, four, four on DraftKings. Uh, it's been kind of constant throughout the day, even after this news had, even after this news broke. So I don't really see this impacting Michigan in a huge way. And if there is a number, if there's numbers that that I like for the national championship, if we start seeing a bunch of Georgia money come in and that, that pushes that Michigan number up a little bit more, I won't hesitate to jump on it because I think that Michigan, I've always thought that Michigan was the best team. I more, I watch them the more I think they're the best team. And I don't think that having Jim Harbaugh, I, I don't think Jim Harbaugh, being removed from the team on game day is going to be the impact that you may think it is. They're prepared for this. They dealt with it to start the season. And what Jim Harbaugh brings to the table, I think, shows up on game day, but it's because of the other, I don't know, how many football games do you play in a year? If you play in the national championship, you play 15. So it's because of the other 340 or 350 days a year what he does on those days that impacts those 15 days if you make it all the way through to the national championship game. So the bottom line here is this is wild. This is crazy. I can't really remember anything like this happening at this juncture in the season that could have such a big impact on a national title race, but I still believe in this Michigan football team. Let's move on to week 11, and this is going to have to be short this week. I I don't have a huge card here, and we're going to go ahead and just get right to the card. So let's start with that Michigan game at Penn State. I think you would believe after I said all that, I'm taking Michigan minus four against Penn State. I think Michigan is a world's better team than Penn State. I think Michigan is the best team in the country. I am not impressed by Penn State's offense. I don't think they had a breakthrough against Maryland. I think that game had a lot more to do with Maryland than it did Penn State. I love Michigan still in this game. Give me Michigan minus four on the road in Happy Valley staying at the noon time slot. I am going to go with Texas tech getting three and a half on the road against Kansas and Kansas is a team that I really like what they've done this year has been super impressive with uh, their head coach, Lance Leipold just having one of the most unbelievable two two year turnarounds that we've seen from this is his third year there. Uh, they struggled his first year. The last two years have been absolutely unreal For Kansas, and they've done it most of this year with their backup quarterback, Jason Bean. But I think Texas Tech is going to have a strong finish to the season. Their quarterback, Baron Morton, is finally healthy. He looked really good against TCU. I think Texas Tech had a little bit of bad luck early in the season. I think they have a pretty good run defense, and I think Kansas's defense—it's—it's shown up in big spots the past few weeks. Mellow Dotson has had pick sixes in each of the last two two weeks, but I still question it, and I think this is a potential sell high spot on Kansas, buying a little bit low on Texas Tech here. I think Texas Tech has a chance to really finish the season strong behind a a healthy Baron Morton. So give me Texas Tech plus three and a half. Then getting in to prime time, and I know I'm skipping over some games here. I'm sorry, I'm just going to do my card this week. But the other team I think is clearly the best in the country, along with Michigan, is Georgia. And so I'm going to take Georgia minus those 10 points against Ole Miss this week. I, I think that we are really starting to see these two teams separate themselves. And I think we continue to see that this week. Don't get me wrong. Ole Miss has had a very good year, but they've won a lot of coin flip games. And I keep going back. I keep thinking about what Tulane did to them with a backup quarterback, what Tulane did to that defense, and how it kind of got pushed around up front to some extent. And I don't think that bodes well against Georgia. So give me Georgia minus the 10 in this one. And my last bet here is going to be Houston minus two and a half against Cincinnati. These are two teams towards the bottom of the Big 12 at the bottom of the Big 12. Cincinnati is yet to win a Big 12 game and Houston is uh, is two and four in the league but I think there's a pretty significant difference between these two teams Uh, Houston still has a lot to play for Houston still has a chance to make a bowl game they're sitting at four and five and they have this this home game against Cincinnati then Oklahoma State and they finished the year at UCF I think Donovan Smith is a very good quarterback for them they got the win against Baylor in overtime a week ago they played Texas a tough a couple weeks ago and i think houston with a lot still to play for goes and gets the win against cincinnati so uh, i'll I'll take houston as a short favorite there minus two and a half all right and let's wrap things up with my money line parlay of the week i am going with texas tech then i will go with missouri as a home dog against tennessee i think missouri based on the way both of these teams have played this year, deserves to be the favorite in that game. I think Missouri is a very good team. I think they are the second-best team in the SEC East, and I think they beat Tennessee. Then I'm going to finish things off with UCF, a home dog against Oklahoma State, a short home dog. And Oklahoma State, don't get me wrong, has been playing out of this world. Ollie Gordon is a Heisman contender, and nobody knew his name until six weeks ago. This team has been playing awesome, but this is a classic letdown spot against a team that has, where whose season could have gone differently. Now, UCF has a very good rushing attack. Their defense hasn't been great, but given what they can do on the offensive side of the ball, given how they can run the ball, and given the letdown spot here for Oklahoma State. I don't necessarily think it's, I don't think it's likely, but I think there is this chance that UCF can go out and win this game. And when I'm looking at these money line parlays of the week, that's what I'm looking for, is something that I could see happening and has some value. So give me Texas Tech, Missouri, and UCF, Uh, that is, what is that at plus 1100, uh, 11 to one odds for those three to hit. That's our show for today. I will be back on Sunday to recap everything that went down in week 11 of the college football season until next time. Keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.